I understand the frustration of feeling like you need to justify your choices. Explaining your lifestyle over and over and over again because everyone from random strangers to even your own family just doesn't get it. Hey, I'm Allison Conway. That's why I'm here to help you build a profitable business that gives you the freedom to travel and work from anywhere. I've been there. And in this podcast, I'm going to share with you the real actionable how to's so you can finally confidently say it is a real job, dad. This is a Soulfire production. What can and can't change the world? <laughs> this is quite a uh, lofty topic that I've decided to take on. And I have some opinions about this, of course, otherwise <laughs> I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, and some of those opinions are unpopular ones ones that are not shared by, um, the majority of people. And that's cool. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I have gotten some pushback from these opinions and that's also fair and that's also cool, but this is also very important to me. And because of the traveling that I've experienced and had the privilege of experiencing, I've been able to see firsthand what, uh, what's going on, what has an impact, what doesn't have an impact. And this is some of the things that are really fucking stupid that we think are having an impact in a positive way. And they're either having none whatsoever, or they're having a big impact in a negative way. I always thought the, well, it wasn't funny because it was so harmful, but the the funny thing was everybody talking about this build a wall thing when undocumented immigration doesn't happen on foot, <laughs> at least not in the large numbers, that a wall would make any difference whatsoever. And the people that were advocating for this build a wall were not paying any attention to what would actually make a difference. Most of undocumented immigration happens because a person legally purchase a, purchases a plane ticket and just doesn't go home. <laughs> they come into the country legally as a tourist or traveler or or whatever. They purchase a plane ticket and then they just don't get on a return flight. So this whole build a wall thing is not going to make any bit of difference for the people that actually want to control immigration. It's, the <laughs> it's a funny, it's not funny because of the aggressive, aggressive immigration laws and the harm that it causes and the negative impact and the reverse impact that it actually happens. But it cracked me up listening to the people that were all about build a wall when it's like, bro, that that's not going to make any bit of difference whatsoever. Like that's not how it happens. <laughs> that's not, that's not what's going down. So it's those kinds of things where the way that it is sold to you or the way the way that it is perceived it looks like it would have this positive impact when in fact it's either having no impact at all or it's having a negative one so one of those unpopular opinions that i have a a thing that i think cannot change the world is philanthropy now don't get me wrong here 
there are philanthropies that are doing really remarkable things and that are making a positive impact. So there are those that are doing fantastic things. So I'm not talking about all philanthropy all over the world is all bad. No, wrong. But in this, in this global scale, as a concept, philanthropy most often misses the mark. And there are a few reasons for that. First of all, it is they're literally nonprofits, right? So they're not making money, which means they have to rely on donations, which means they're operating like a business. They have overhead, they have employees, but they have nothing to support themselves from the bottom. If they cannot make a profit, then you are continually reliant on donations or grants and, or whatever else. And that's not, that's not going to cut it. That's not, that's unreliable. Every month you're struggling to make ends meet, which means you are not actually serving the people that you are trying to serve and probably with really good intentions, probably with a really big heart, you want to help and you want to make change. But what's actually happening is not that change because you have nothing to support yourself from the bottom up. Now, I've seen some some philanthropies recently sell products and have a for-profit arm. And I think that's amazing. Like sell a product, bring something to the marketplace that helps, that is not, you're not selling this product to the same people that the charity is for or that the service that the actual charity provides. You're not, it's not for the same person, but it's for a different persona that, that does have the money or the, the means to pay for a product or service. And then that, the money, the capital from this product or service then supports the, the philanthropy from the bottom. It actually has a foundation. But you know what that's called? You know what that is? That's capitalism with a conscience. That is capitalism. That is you making money. That is a buyer and a seller offering goods and services to the marketplace for a profit. But doing so with a big heart, doing so with human beings in mind, that way is way more sustainable. Now, of course, capitalism as a whole is fucked. I mean, capitalism as a general concept is just not working, but that's, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into, into capitalism as a concept because oof, ugh, not for me. That's not for me. That's it. That's for somebody else's podcast. <laughs> But when it can have a conscience, when it can actually serve and help people, that's when it can support itself from the bottom up. And that's when those philanthropies can actually put their energy into serving as opposed to being perpetually reliant on the whims of the government for grants and or donors. Here's the other issue with philanthropy. Sometimes it misses the mark in that, let me give an extreme example. It's going into Sudan 
and saying, Hey, we have milk and bread. Here you go. And we get to pat ourselves on the back because we gave you milk and bread. And they're like, okay, great. But actually we need, um, like mosquito netting and vaccines. Like you are just not listening to us at all. (laughs) You were just not paying any attention or is like, great. Thank you so much. But actually we need birth control because we could pull an entire community out of poverty if we had access to birth control. So thank you, but your white saviorism can piss off, (laughs) right? It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't actually have an impact whatsoever. The inverse of that though, is when it does have an impact, it often creates a cycle of dependency. So instead of providing resources to the community to become self-sufficient and giving them their own means of advancement, you make them perpetually reliant on whatever product or service is is being provided to them, whatever is coming into um, their community. And that also often takes jobs away from, from locals and creates all kinds of other economic problems for that community. So our often white, but not always white, but definitely Western sensibilities go into these communities and generally with good intentions, I believe, kind of mess shit up. <laughs> we kind of go in and, and we, we, we hope for the best and we think we're doing good, but ultimately we're patting ourselves on the back and harming these communities in a lot of ways or doing nothing at all. And this is not meant to be a full sweeping generalization of philanthropy. It does not cover all the bases. There are nuances to this that I could not even begin to to talk about in a podcast episode without a PhD. (laughs) And I know that. And I am not going to pretend to understand all those nuances. However, I have seen the effects. I have seen the negative effects of the cycle of dependency from traveling. And I have seen the white saviorism, the, the white people going in and imposing religion, imposing sensibilities, imposing all kinds of things. I mean, let alone war zones where we're literally, uh, you know, trying to insert democracy. But on a much smaller scale than that, there's a lot of harm. There's a lot of harm that is going on around the world at our hands, at our behest, because it makes us feel good. And it does. You donate to a charity. You get to pat yourself on the back. And listen, I've done this. And I have, and I have felt like I did a good deed because I donated to a charity. and. Maybe they're doing great things. You know, I haven't seen firsthand every every single one of these and the impacts of every single one. And a lot of them are probably doing great things, but I have also seen the landfills where clothing donations end up and the cycle of dependency where a community could have learned to be entirely self-sufficient. And we prevent that from happening in so many ways. I've been a big musical theater fan my whole life, both as a spectator and as a performer. I love musicals so much because in all of them, there are hidden lessons about grit, 
resiliency, embracing yourself, and even business. Each episode, I take a lesson I've learned from my favorite Broadway musicals and share them with you. Tag me at Allison E. Conway on Instagram and let me know what you thought of this week's musical-inspired lesson. If you know me well, you know that I am completely obsessed with the musical Hamilton. It's a show about resilience and grit and beating the odds. It's a show about working hard every single day to achieve the thing that you know you can achieve, but nobody else does. You know that you are capable of achieving this this thing that people call a pipe dream. Now, my favorite song in the whole thing, and I've pretty much memorized the entire show, but my favorite song in the whole thing is actually a song sung by Aaron Burr. And if you're not familiar with the history, Aaron Burr is the guy that shoots and kills Alexander Hamilton in a duel. Now, the duel, of course, happens at the end of the show because it is when Hamilton dies. But this song that is is my absolute favorite happens a little bit closer to the beginning of the show, and it is called Wait For It. The song is about Aaron Burr comparing himself to Alexander Hamilton. And Hamilton is this guy that goes after everything he wants. He, The lyrics say he takes and he takes and he takes and he keeps winning anyway. But Aaron Burr sings about how he feels the opposite. He talks about how he wants to, quote, lie in wait, and he is willing to wait for things to come to him. Now, this is my favorite song out of the whole show because I so profoundly disagree with it. And I disagree with it because the lyrics and and everything about the song Burr is singing to himself, comparing himself to Hamilton, how Hamilton goes after everything, but he's willing to wait for it. He sees the consequences of this throughout his career, how Hamilton's pace was relentless, he didn't waste any time, and he took what he wanted. Aaron Burr didn't get what he wanted. And he ended, the story ends with Aaron Burr being so frustrated with the fact that Hamilton got everything that Burr ever wanted, that this ends in a duel. I disagree with the way that Aaron Burr approaches everything in his life, and especially the way that this song is presented in the story. Because you cannot wait for it. You cannot wait for the things that you want to just come to you. You have to go out and you have to take action every single day, sometimes painstakingly. Sometimes it's really, really hard, but you cannot wait for it, like Aaron Burr suggests. You have to go after the things that you want. The best part about this whole song is that Aaron Burr, there are moments that that you recognize that he gets it. He understands. He has this glimpse of seeing that he is supposed to go after the thing that he wants. And he sings, I am the one thing in life I can control. I am inimitable. I am an original. And that makes me want to scream at him every time. Yes, you are. So act like it. 
But then again, he goes back to saying, but I'm willing to wait for it. Don't be willing to wait for it. You have to go after the things that you want. You have to act. Take action every day, a little bit, one step at a time, and you will achieve the thing that everybody else doesn't know you can achieve, but you deep down know and believe that you can. Don't wait for it. Go after it. Now, like I said, conscious capitalism. When we provide a need, when we fill a hole, when we provide things that are actually required. And it takes a lot of time to figure out what is actually required because we don't live there. We don't know, especially if it's a, if it's a community that we're not involved in. Which is why local philanthropies are the ones that are, are doing good because they're there. But if it's international, especially, or even domestically, but, but we don't live there and we're not there firsthand, there's no way for us to actually know what the problem is unless we spend a lot of time figuring that out. The only solution that I have discovered so far is travel. The only solution that I have figured out so far is having conversations with people that don't look like me, that don't worship like me, that don't dress like me, that don't eat like me. And I am also like a white bread, like a wonder bread white girl. Like I, I hate spicy food. I struggle with spicy food. And I've been to South Asia where I didn't want to offend anybody. And I'm like in a full body sweat, <laughs> trying to muscle my way through spicy meals that, that have been given to gifted to me and have been offered peace offerings to me and welcoming gifts to me. I mean, food is an international hospitality symbol. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it is um <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the Wonder Bread white girl and I accept that and I know that. But having conversations and experiences with people that don't look at anything like me, that don't dress like me, that don't eat like me, that don't work that, like me, that don't have the same goals as me that that have everything different to me is what has completely changed my understanding of the world. A complete disruption, a complete, like, imagine, imagine your worldview is a rock. And I just threw dynamite at that rock and it shattered into a million little pieces. That's what traveling does. Now, there are, there are so many also negative impacts of travel, especially when it happens en masse in big numbers. Because when you have, when you have white people traveling all over the place and, or 
Yeah. It, it, I mean, I, I was going to say not just white people and it's not just white people, but it, you know, it is mostly, it is mostly Western people. When you have Western people traveling to a lot of these places, you have cultural impacts, you have economic, political and environmental impacts. So it's not a perfect solution, but it is the closest and the reason for that is because traveling, I, I mean, it, it completely exploded my worldview. But the result of that is taking that perspective home with me, changing the way I interact with people, changing the way I vote, changing the way I spend my time and the way I spend my money. And when you can change the way a person interacts with the world at home, when you can change the way a person thinks about themselves and their place in the world and what their purpose is and how important serving and helping other people is, when you can disrupt a person's ideas of, of what is important to vote for, of what's important to spend their money on. If you can change that in one person, you can change the world. And then do it again to somebody else. That's what travel does. And I'm not talking about sitting at a resort in Cancun. Because that comes into the cultural impacts of travel, the economic impacts. I mean, the tourism industry holds up GDP of many countries, the, the, the economic state of many countries. So it's not something I'm, I'm not telling you not to go to your resort in Cancun and enjoy a lovely vacation. I'm not telling you not to do that, but that's not the kind of travel that disrupts your way of life. That's not the kind of travel that is going to change the way you vote and spend your money. The kind of travel that is going to change the way you vote and spend your money and, and interact with human beings and learn about other human beings is the kind of travel that must be immersive. It, it has to be hard. It has to be uncomfortable. It has to be something that doesn't feel like relaxation. It doesn't feel like vacation. But fuck, is it worth it? Oh my gosh, the most uncomfortable I have ever been is also the freest I have ever felt. The most uncomfortable I have ever been is also the most full of life I have ever felt. The most uncomfortable I have ever been is the most willing to accept my impact and my purpose that I have ever been. It's in those moments when you realize, it's in, it's in how uncomfortable you're willing to get that you realize That changing the world <laughs> doesn't have to be this lofty pipe dream. 
because you're doing it. You are doing it. And then when you can give that experience to someone else, that's it. That's what it takes. That's all it is. So what can and can't change the world? What can't do it is blindly donating to a philanthropy that may or may not be making a positive impact. What can't change the world is wall at the border for fuck's sake. But what can change the world is immersive, uncomfortable travel and you. <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? That's it. That's all it takes. It's literally that simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It really doesn't. This podcast is all about teaching you a how to make a shit ton of money and making travel, immersive travel possible and changing the world because you can and you will.